Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Join me, Brian McCallan, on Speaking Out for the Blind. I interview blind newsmakers to inspire the population to go for their dreams. Speaking Out for the Blind airs Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern on ACB Media One. California, Florida, Iowa, Texas, guide dog users, students, IT professionals, government employees. The American Council of the Blind has members in all 50 states and is actively engaged in a wide variety of activities. We advocate for the education, employment, and social inclusion of all blind and visually impaired Americans. We publish a monthly magazine. We hold an annual conference and convention and operate a multi-channel internet radio station. Check us out at acb.org. Together, we can do anything. The American Council of Blind Lions, ACBL, is the affiliate that roars, and that's no lion. ACBL holds monthly conference calls and ACB convention events that help people who are blind or visually impaired become more involved in local Lions Clubs. Find out more. Call 502-897-1472 or email lions.acb at gmail.com. Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind. I'm Brian McCallan. Today we're off to my alma mater, San Francisco State University in California. The university has a special program for teaching those with visual impairments. The graduates are prepared to become teachers of blind and visually impaired students, service providers and leaders in blindness organizations, and any role requiring expertise in differentiating learning and teaching for visually impaired and deafblind individuals. Here to talk about the program is its associate director, Dr. Yu Ting Su. Welcome to the show, Ting. Thank you, Brian. Happy to be here. Glad you're here, too. Tell us about yourself. Well, by trade, I'm a teacher of blind and low vision students, otherwise known as a TVI. And, um, you know, that means we work with students in the school districts, in early intervention, and in early childhood, and their families. Um, that's sort of my passion in life. Um, but um, I'm here in the role of my day job, which is uh, coordinating the teaching program in visual impairments at San Francisco State University um, and a newly minted associate professor. Uh, which school district do you work at? I actually contract with a few in the Bay Area, and I keep a pretty small caseload. So I'm only in the field on Fridays. So I do um, dedicate most of my time with my professor hat on, but I still love being a TVI, and that's always the best day of the work week for me. All right. Give us a little background on SF State's program in visual impairments. I hear you've got a rich history. Yes. So San Francisco State actually started as a teacher's college, uh, right from the inception of the university itself. So we're actually one of the oldest teaching programs. And I believe the orientation and mobility program was actually the first ONM program of its kind in the field. Um, you know, in our VI program, uh, which runs uh, separately from the ONM, but we are coordinated together. Um, we also have a rich program of uh, strong leadership and program coordinators. So um, Dr. Phil Hatlin, Dr. Amanda Lueck, um, Sally Mangold, uh, I really uh, had very, very big shoes to fill um, coming into this job six years ago. So 
SF State's program in visual impairments is one of the oldest in the country. That's amazing. Now, there's many different options. There's teaching credentials, master's options, even doctoral training in the field. Talk about these options. Oh, sure thing. So in California, we have two levels of credentials. We have preliminary credentials, which is the initial credential that you earn. And then there's the professional level credential, which is the clear credential, which you apply for within five years of getting your preliminary credential. Now, interestingly, this is a very California thing. There's also the intern teaching credential, which uh, began as an emergency way to allow people to work in the role of a TVI while going through a teacher preparation program. So the intern credential um, is unique in that it does allow for people to be the teacher on record um, without requiring them to be actually fully trained first. Um, At the university, we offer the intern um, credential program. So we do offer very strong um, and dedicated support for these intern teachers. So our program is really built to support working teachers um, and working people. Um, Our classes are always in the evenings. Um, And for our intern teachers, um, you know, they're really in the thick of it because they're already working in the role of a TVI while also learning how to be a TVI. Um, And then finally, we have two flavors of doctoral training. So we have a PhD doctoral program. Um, It's actually called the Joint Doctoral Program in Special Education, and it's jointly administered and coordinated between San Francisco State as well as UC Berkeley. Um, This is a very unique program because people come in and it's very self-directed and very customizable to allow people to get advanced training and study in whichever niche area of special education they like. Um, There's also the Education Leadership Program, uh, which is an education doctorate program. um, And that's really set up for uh, more administrative leadership and uh, supports people to keep working in the field while they're going through um, their ED program. And as I know, you and I know, SF State, along with the other California State University campuses, is it, you, you do a lot of learning by doing. Yep. Um, so there's even an orientational mobility program for students to apply to after they become credentialed to work with the visually impaired. Talk about that. I'm sure it involves some cane travel. Oh, yeah, just just a little bit and, you know, surviving street crossings. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so the Orientation Mobility or O&M program, it is a separate program that has its own program coordinator and O&M faculty, but we do work very closely together. So between the VI and O&M programs, uh, the students actually share four core classes. So... Um, People can choose to either go through the O&M program first and then get the VI, uh, do the VI program or vice versa, go through the VI program first and then go into the O&M program. Because of the shared four classes, it's usually only about a year extra study um, to add on that second program and second credential. Um, I myself, I went through the O&M program as I was going through the joint doc program. Um, so I was at TVI first, and then I added the O&M credential after. And I highly recommend uh, the dual credentialing for, for everybody. It really gives you a more holistic and comprehensive understanding of vision for our blind and low vision students. Um, so yeah, it's just about a year extra of work. And then you're even more doubly qualified and um, attractive to potential employers. 
What are some of the required classes that the students have to take in order to graduate from the program and become credentialed? Ooh, this is such a great question, and it's a little bit of a loaded question because uh, we do probably require one of the uh, heavier uh, have, we have heavier requirements than most other programs um, that train TVIs. You know, having said that, because we are such a comprehensive program, um, I am pretty confident in saying that graduates from our program specifically um, are graduating at the top of the field. Um, so some of the required classes include um, the sort of infamous quote-unquote I-class, which is our medical, educational, and rehabilitative uh, rehabilitative implications of visual impairments. So students learn about um, anatomy and physiology of the eye, um, different diagnoses, and what are the functional implications of the various uh, visual impairments. Um, students also take an assessment class and learn how to um, uh, assess students in other areas in addition to functional vision. So we teach students how to do uh, learning media assessments. Um, they learn about the expanded core curriculum. We have a class dedicated to learning um, how to teach living skills, um, instructional methods, and of course, uh, um, two Braille classes, one focused on literary Braille, the other focused on Nemeth and tactile graphics. Um, and my personal favorite class is uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, coined as the issues in visual impairment class. And I love teaching that class because it really goes through um, psychosocial aspects of visual impairments, as well as I think more current issues related to, um, you know, what is multimedia accessibility? How do we advocate for that? How do we implement that in schools? Um, and, you know, what are some of the privacy issues associated with accessibility? Um, and this class is really focused on helping our students um, and students teachers actually develop the leadership and advocacy skills they can, they, they will need to really become effective um, TVIs who can impact systematic, um, systemic accessibility in our school systems. So that one, I think, really sets our program apart from, um, you know, other programs. That's fabulous. Um, but uh, don't they also have, don't the students also have to take any special tests? Ooh, well, students who are in our master's program are invited to sit for a written comprehensive exam. So it is a test in that they get scored and they have to pass in order to earn their master's. Um, but it's more of a, an essay-based test and it's open book, open notes, um, and students give, get two days to do it. Um, but in order to earn their credential in visual impairments, they have to complete uh, one semester of student teaching uh, where, um, you know, I look at it as a as a semester of intensive coaching from our um, ultimate like dream team supervision staff. When, when they receive the visually impaired credentials, mm -hmm. um, how do they apply for jobs? Ah, well, um, our. You got to also network, I'm sure, too. Yes, there's definitely a, a network. Uh, it's a very um, close and tight knit community. Um, most of our students find jobs on the EdJoin list, um, and most employers will post positions on EdJoin. Um, so it's sort of like a marketplace for open positions. Um, our graduates are heavily recruited and desired um, just because people know that um, our graduates go through very comprehensive training in our program. 
Um, so yeah, EdJoin and uh, word of mouth, really. Um, tell us about some of your noted alumni. Oh, wow. Um, our noted alumni, we we have so many. Well, I mean, you, of course, are a notable as, as, as alumni. Yes, <laughs> SF State's also got a lot of other noted alumni out there, Dana Carvey and the like. Yeah, um, and I would say that I'm always surprised by how many people are San Francisco State alumni. Um, of course, I'm blanking right now on the specific names, um, but I think even more notable are, um, you know, Sally Mangold created one of the first um, Braille curricula curriculums for our field. And Sally Mangold was actually a graduate of our joint doctoral program, which I think is really, um, really awesome. Um, our other former program coordinator, Dr. Amanda Lewick and myself, we also are all alumni of the program of the joint doctoral program. And I think, you know, and uh, there are other program coordinators of other VI programs around the country, such as Dr. Rona Program. She was also an alumni of our program. So I think our alumni are really so widespread everywhere. It would be really difficult, if not impossible, for me to name the notable ones because, um, um, yeah, we're sort of everywhere. <laughs> mm. um, I, I had an orientation mobility teacher um, from high school, went to SF State as well. And she had to practice a lot of cane technique outdoors. Um, but tell us about some of the program's faculty members. What experience do they bring to just teaching future teachers and providers of the blind and visually impaired? Yes. Well, um, I have made it a clear mission of our program to have faculty members who really reflect the diversity in our field as well as the diversity in our students. So over 50% of our um, teaching faculty, including tenure track, but also um, our adjunct faculty and guest speakers, um, over 50% um, are either blind or have low vision themselves. And um, we also have faculty of color. Um, so we really strive for a diverse uh, faculty. Um, I think the shining stars of our faculty are actually our student teacher supervisors. So our supervision team includes uh, the very illustrious Dr. Sharon Sachs, um, also Liz Barclay, Frances Dibble, Marike DeVos. Um, these four women are kind of the ultimate dream team, uh, you know, uh, coaches for our student teachers. What are some of the additional schools in the U.S. that offer similar programs like yours? Um, at any given time, there's about 30 um, teacher prep programs and visual impairments, give or take a handful at any given time. Um, <clears throat> so not every state has their own training program, um, but there are many states that do have training programs. So, you know, in California, we have two um, approved programs. So it's San Francisco State as well as Cal State LA. Um, I would say most of the other major states also have programs. So um, I would say more likely than not, a state has a program. Uh, some of the big ones, and I'm just thinking of what the ones that are affiliated with the big name schools for the blind. Um, of course, uh, you know, Texas is the other state with um, more than one training program. Um, you know, on our West Coast, uh, Portland State and University of Arizona, which is my alma mater, um, has a training program. Um, 
Yeah, I, I think there's a list of about 30. So I'm not really sure which ones to specifically call out and identify. <laughs> I would hate to miss miss one. <laughs> uh, wait, University of Arizona in Phoenix? Uh, in Tucson, actually. Oh, Tucson. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. I had an orientation mobility teacher also who moved to uh, Tucson, but he taught me when I was a little tyke. Oh, wow. Um, okay. So how do you teach Braille to the students? Do you teach them like grade one and two or um, do you teach them starting with the letters? Ah, excellent question. And this has a slightly complex answer because the way we teach teachers, future teachers Braille is different from when we're teaching Braille to youngsters who are learning Braille as their literacy medium. So um, for people coming through my program and taking your Braille classes, they're learning Braille as a code. So, you know, they're learning, of course, uh, the letters of the alphabet, the different contractions, um, but it really is taught as a Braille code, um, which can be interesting because now we're asking teachers to learn Braille in a different way that they have to teach it. Um, And so the literary Braille class, that's the Braille one class. It's interesting because the teachers are learning the Braille code as a code for the first time, while they're also learning about literacy teaching strategies and how you would actually teach Braille as a literary medium and literacy medium um, to kiddos in the school districts. Braille 2 is our Nemeth and Tactile Graphics class. So um, that's just sort of expanding on their knowledge of the Braille code, as well as getting um, into the the depths of creating tactile media, designing, um, and understanding conceptually, you know, how do you teach for conceptual understanding in um, more spatial thinking when when you're talking about using tactile media? Um, and designing that. So, um, yeah, does that answer your question a little bit? Yeah, it does. And um, how about being a teacher of the visually impaired? My teacher of the visually impaired, she worked with me more on getting large print materials, mm-hmm. but, but for the most part, um, you know, it was it was helping me through more tutoring, more helping me through all my schoolwork academically. Um, how do you teach your teachers of the visually impaired to do those things in the classroom? Yeah, that's an uh, another excellent question and there's there's so much to that because in the program we can only give these teachers a foundation and I like to teach our think our, our teachers how to think because I think that kind of preparation is more sustainable because the actual tools and technology and strategies um they update as you know as as needs evolve and as solutions evolve um but that understanding of thinking about how you have to represent uh, visual information in non-visual ways, um, understanding how these non-visual representations might impact students' conceptual understanding of a topic. I think that's the big part of, of training these teachers to think in a different way and to get away from, you know, visualness or sightedness and really focus more on the concepts that need to be conveyed and thinking of it as information accessibility and information access. So, you know, TVIs are really tasked with two big missions, in my opinion. Uh, One is to ensure that the learning environment itself is accessible. 
So making sure the learning media are accessible, the apps, the curriculum, the websites. Um, but then the other half of our job is to make sure the students have the skills and to use the tools and to make sure the available tools are available to the students too. So it's really two part. Uh, one is really focused on environmental access and the other is on student skills. Um, and when both pieces are adequately, um, you know, addressed and met, then you have um, a really beautiful way to work with students and make sure they're going through school um, with, you know, the best access possible. Um, do you also teach your students about all the different eye diseases? Yes. Well, um, I wouldn't say all, but um, the most prevalent ones. So that's covered in our quote unquote eye class. Um, and it's actually one of the first classes students take in our program. Um, it's also uh, pretty comprehensive. So most of our courses are three units. Um, our I class is four units. So it's a it's a heavy class. It's intensive, um, but the students really work through um, the most kind of typical eye conditions that they might encounter in the field. Um, but not just learning about the eye conditions, but learning how do you explain the implications of these eye conditions to a family or to a school team, and how do we work with our um, our school district students, you know, the little kiddos, to understand the functional implications of their own eye conditions so that they can be their own best advocate, um, you know, when they're in school. How might our listeners apply to the program and get in touch if they got any questions? And how else oh. might the blind and visually impaired listeners even get involved? Yes. So, um, I Thank you for asking this question because I'm really proud that, um, you know, we really pride ourselves on ensuring that everything about our program and our course media are accessible to blind and low vision students because we, I want to, I personally want to really encourage anybody who's blind or who has low vision to become a TVI. I think our students need these sorts of mentors and um, models in our school system. And, you know, our students need to see um, diversity in their teachers. And um, so we work really hard um, to update our course materials so that students don't can minimize um, the instances they have to go through uh, the disability support office to get access to their, their materials. Um, you know, my hope is for every student, whether it's university level or K to 12 level, every student should be able to just walk into the classroom and get right to the learning and not have these access barriers. Um, having said that, our admissions and our college forms we are, I'm still in a process of um, getting the college and university to remediate those forms. So there are some forms and administrative things um, where the access is not perfect. Uh, but once you're in the program, hopefully the access needs are a little bit better once you're in the courses. And students can apply just by going to the main um, Department of Special Education website. It's sped.sfsu.edu. And once you go to the website, there should be a button in the top right corner that says apply now. And once you hit the button, there should be an application checklist. And it's, a, of course, a many, many, many hoops um, to get transcripts and entrance exams um, and forms filled out. Um, so people usually submit everything through uh, the application portal. It gets reviewed, and once the packet is complete, um, I interview everybody personally, 
Um, and uh, that's that's pretty much that's pretty much it. Then people get a welcome letter and registration information. Um, and what's nice about the way we um, set up our admission cycle is that they're more or less rolling admissions. So you can submit an application at any time. Um, the portal really only closes about one month prior to the beginning of the next semester. So we always get a lot of last minute applicants and, you know, the, the deadline for application should just, you know, don't, I hope that doesn't deter people because we always accept applications after the deadline. Um, and I'm always happy to talk to people who are interested in the program because I do understand it's a big commitment. You know, we ask for about two and a half years of your life um, and it's a rigorous program. So I want people to really understand what they're getting into, but also know that, you know, we offer a lot of support and our goal is to work with people and train and mentor and um, develop, um, you know, uh, new generations of teachers who can mentor and lead future generations. (laughs) Work hard. Ting, we appreciate your efforts in providing exemplary training to our future teachers and service providers who can help our population become more independent and thrive in life. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks again for having me. This is great. You're welcome. Before we go, listeners, I welcome your comments on this program. Just visit and like me on Facebook at Speaking Out for the Blind or follow me on Twitter at Speak Out Blind or Speak Out for the Blind. You can also check out my website. That's speakingoutfortheblind.weebly.com. More information on today's show is posted there. Just look under the list of episodes and show news tab. And my show archive is at speaking-out-for-blind.pinecast.co. That's all for this edition of Speaking Out for the Blind. Thanks for listening. And remember to speak out. You are listening to ACB Media One, also known as Mainstream, the flagship of the ACB Media Network. The ACB Media Network is a service of the American Council of the Blind. Please visit us at acbradio.org.